God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The suffering servant suffers the glory of God. Today, what we want to see in our reading from John 17, that when Jesus says, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you, Jesus is not just stating an obvious fact that he is true God. But he indeed is referring us and his disciples and all who read the scriptures back to Isaiah 42, that Jesus in John 17 is saying that he is the suffering servant. He is the one that the prophets have spoken to. The suffering servant suffers the glory of God. Last year, a movie came out with one of my favorite actors, Nicolas Cage, in it, and the movie was titled, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. It was a movie that expressed the challenges of being such a talented actor who then begins to lose his luster in Hollywood. His family begins to fall apart because he's desperately looking for roles to play and nothing's happening. He comes to find out that as, roles he, get, as he gets turned down for roles, his family has fallen apart. All the talent and glory that he had as a movie star was all for nothing. It's the age-old story of how a man who has a great amount of glory cannot bear its weight, and he ends up almost destroying his most important role as being a husband and a father. Glory is a tricky thing. Receiving the approval of the mass amounts of people, having superstar status, the focus of social media, all the morning talk shows wanting you to be there, we see movie stars, athletes, politicians, they're not able to withstand the massive weight of glory. They end up falling and falling hard. It's almost as if glory is a bad thing. If the glory of man is a weighty glory that can crush a superstar, consider the glory of God. In the book of Isaiah, as you heard me mention, we have four servant songs that the prophet, directed by the Holy Spirit, begins to introduce a side of the promised Messiah that is known as the suffering servant. The suffering servant is a title that will give God's people, even the whole world, a preview or some clues to look for when the Messiah comes on the scene. The Messiah will be a man known as a suffering servant. Now, this doesn't sound like a glorious title. Nobody wants to be labeled as the one who suffers. Perhaps the glorious servant is a more desired title. I can't really disagree with that. But no, suffering servant is how God says his Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, will be recognized. He will be one who suffers. Indeed, this Isaiah 42, the first servant song sung by the prophet Isaiah, Yahweh does describe the servant as having glory. First, we notice what is it that makes this a servant song? How have theologians and people reading the scripture set apart certain parts of Isaiah? Well, you see how Isaiah 42 begins. It says, Behold, 
my servant. That's one sign that you are reading one of the servant songs. You also heard it in the psalm. This idea of a servant of God who comes as the Messiah permeates all the books of Scripture. We're going to see how it is fulfilled in the New Testament and the Psalms these Wednesday evenings. But tonight we see how Isaiah begins, Behold my servant, God is speaking, whom I uphold, my chosen, the one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Immediately, you notice the title servant. God himself will have a servant who he upholds, one that he chooses. That there will be an obvious choosing of this servant of Yahweh. He will show his choice by declaring that his soul delights in this servant. To show his delight, he will put his spirit upon him. Now, if this is reminding you of a New Testament story... That's exactly the point. That here, Isaiah in Isaiah 42 is already teaching us about the baptism of Jesus. When the Spirit descends upon him at the Jordan River, and the Father shows that he is, what does he say? This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus is publicly chosen as God's servant. It's a glorious event. And as if that weren't enough... On the Mount of Transfiguration, the Father says the same thing. My beloved Son. And the glory of God shone forth from Jesus, brighter than the sun. Moses was there too, and Elijah. Speaking of Moses, makes perfect sense. Because Moses, he was also called a servant of God. And in fact, there have arisen some sects, some false churches around the time of the New Testament and even the Old Testament that thought Moses was the promised Messiah. They thought Moses was God's chosen one. Well, Moses was chosen by God, but we also know that Moses was a sinner. He doubted God's ability to save the Israelites. He didn't see God, as we hear in Isaiah 42 here, God's going to bring justice to the coastlands. Moses didn't see that. In fact, Moses was still seeing the threats of Egypt and the land that they were to go, to go conquer in the land of Cana. Moses doubted that God's power and authority was from coast to coast. Moses doubted God. So obviously God is not well-pleased with Moses. But Moses, like a servant, speaks about God's glory. This glory that Isaiah says in, in our reading today belongs to God alone. Moses went to God and he asked to see God's glory. God, if you remember, put him under a cliff and he walked by and he said, I will show you my backside, but I cannot show you my glory. Moses didn't ask to receive God's glory because he knew exactly what that meant. God's glory is unbearable for any sinner to see. And look at what we read in verse 8 of our reading today in Isaiah 42. I am the Lord, I give my glory to no other. Moses couldn't ask for God's glory to be given to him because it would crush him. 
Moses only saw the backside of God's glory. No human can see God and live. Talk about the unbearable weight of massive glory. God is very particular with his glory. And even when speaking about his chosen servant in Isaiah 42, the chosen servant, it appears, he will be glorious. We see God's approval. He will like him in in the first part of Isaiah 42. He pleases him. But could he ask to receive God's glory? Where Moses failed in upholding God's glorious laws, where even Israel, Israel was also called the servant of God, just like Moses, Israel failed to honor God. They doubted him. They wanted to chase the glory of man. They wanted to be like all the other nations. They didn't see true glory as being part of God's people. The glory they chased after was wealth and power. They wanted to enjoy the rewards of this life at the expense of being faithful to the Ten Commandments. The Israelites had a misunderstanding of what true glory is. And to be honest, we do too. This isn't just a common misconception that belongs to Moses or the Israelites. It's ours too. We want to see glory, but the glory we want to see in our lives is The glory which elevates ourselves. A glory that wins the admiration of man. Moses fell for it. Israel fell for it. These servants of God fell short of the glory of God. St. Paul writes, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So now as Isaiah speaks of God's glory in verse 8, he says, I give my glory to no one else. Will the chosen servant be able to handle the unbearable weight of glory? The servant knows that <coughs> the servant knows that God gives his glory to no one else. His glory is his own. He is the only one who can bear that weight, the only one who truly deserves glory because he has not fallen short. He is perfect. So this is why it is that Jesus in John chapter 17 asks his father to glorify him. To give him his glory. Jesus is teaching everyone around him that he's fulfilling Isaiah 42. God says, I give my glory to no one else. So either Jesus is a fake And he doesn't know Isaiah 42, or Jesus knows Isaiah 42 as if he was the author. Because he knows he is true God and that he can ask for the glory of God to be shown. So when Jesus asks for glory in John 17, he doesn't just ask to see God's glory like Moses. But he says, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus says, I am the suffering servant. I am the only one who can ask for God's glory because I have not fallen short of the glory of God. And then Jesus takes that glory and what does he do? He teaches us 
what true glory looks like. The glory of God is to give oneself entirely for the benefit of another. To live a perfect life and then to give that life as a gift, even to those who don't deserve it. Jesus knows that that is true glory. That is indeed what pleases God to uphold his law, to heal the sick, to bring sight to the blind, to free the prisoners, even prisoners locked to sin and death, to help those who've fallen short of the glory of God and to bring them forgiveness. That is the glory of God, to die on the cross for you, to serve you. Jesus is the chosen servant who receives the glory of God because he's God himself. This is something that brings closure to the identity of the suffering servant and the speaking of God's glory belonging only to himself in Isaiah 42. When Jesus asks for glory, he knows that when he's glorified, he's going to be crucified. And that he knows that we then are given this gift of glory that can never be taken away because we are his chosen one. We have nothing to fear because we have the glory of God given to us. That the world cannot take this glory from Jesus and it cannot take it from you. As long as we remember that we have his name and his glory in baptism, And what does Jesus say in John 17? He says his glory is attached to his word. As long as we remain in his word, what we're doing tonight, and we refuse the glory of the world, we will be his. And he, what does Jesus say? He is glorified in us. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.